So to answer your question, are we too clean? A blunt way to answer that is yes. But the technical way is that by doing what we have been doing, we've greatly reduced diversity. guys, welcome back to episode 60 of That's So Maven. First of all, thank you so much for your kind comments and feedback on last week's episode with Simi, all about perfectionism and eating disorder recovery and just hearing from so many of you, whether you've struggled with an eating disorder or are struggling with perfectionism and that's manifested in different ways in your life, know that you are not alone. So many people reached out and it was just so nice to hear from all of you because it made me feel not so alone and that's really what I love most about this community and and what I hope I'm doing with the show is kind of shining a light on topics that so many of us struggle with or maybe we feel like we're alone in our struggles and realize that we're really not so yeah just wanted to say thank you so much for that and it kind of stuck with me through the rest of the week like after the episode went live and I found myself talking a lot about it while I was in yoga teacher training this weekend which I am almost done and I'm going to share a bit more about that soon um, but just talking about like what perfectionism means and how it manifests in so many different ways for different people and and that's what I'm realizing is that all of us have like a degree of perfectionism and sometimes you know it means like not doing something because you're afraid of how other people are going to react to it or in my case, it's sometimes like not being able to let things go because I've so deeply held on to a label or to some kind of identifier. And that's kind of a transition that I'm experiencing right now where I feel like I'm doing so many different things and I love them all, but I'm also feeling like I can't necessarily give my all to everything because I'm just so split between so many different things. And so you know, it means letting go of, of my identity, maybe as a blogger and focusing more on the podcast. And truly, it terrifies me a lot to say that because I, I hold being a blogger like so near and dear to my heart. And yet, what does that like actually mean? I mean, I just think like I'm still me and I'm still human and my means of being able to communicate my message may change, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my whole identity will change. And also like, what is an identity anyway? And yeah, basically just a lot of thoughts. I don't have any kind of like solution to any of these. That's not the topic of today's episode, but definitely something I want to talk more about. So I think there's going to be a solo episode coming up soon where I'm going to just kind of chat through a lot of the things that have been, that have been on my mind, um, including this and, and just what that transition is looking like for me and, and what scares me about it. And yeah, no solutions, just kind of where my head is at. But yoga teacher training has kind of stirred up a, a lot for me um, and just kind of reframed how I view my life and my relationships and the people that I get to interact with and the work that I produce and all of that. And, you know, it was it was an interesting conversation this weekend where we were talking about one of the niyamas and just uh, about how, you know, oftentimes when we go in and we stir the pot, we don't just keep stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring. You have to kind of scrape off the dirt from the top of the pot and or the grime or whatever and, and get rid of that. And I feel like I've been stirring and stirring and stirring and now it's time to let some things go. So working on that, not the easiest for me as a perfectionist. I like to you know, do a lot of things and I like to do them really well. And I love learning how to do new things. It's one of my favorite things to do, but I also am not great at letting go of things when it's time to say goodbye to them. Not that I'm getting rid of the blog. Don't jump to that conclusion at all. Just that like, I kind of need to reframe my focus and yeah, just, just kind of figuring that out. But that's not the topic of today's episode. We are actually chatting about skincare today. And I know the episode that I recorded from season two, so last season, um, with Kim Emanuel from Luminous Skincare was a really popular episode. That's more of a kind of like entry to why to make the switch to natural skincare, so I highly recommend that. Kim is such an amazing source of information for that. This episode is going a little bit deeper, and we're going to be chatting about the skin and microbiome, and also just our gut microbiome and just how to take better care of it. Um, somehow I unofficially made it kind of like microbiome week 
for the Healthy Maven and Not So Maven. So if you want to read more about your gut microbiome and how to care for that and all about probiotics and that stuff, I actually have a blog post that went live this week. So you can read that on the blog. It's just thehealthymaven.com. But today's episode, we're going to be focusing on skin microbiome, which is not a popular conversation and not something that I know much about. So I was really grateful that I got connected to Jasmina from Mother Dirt and you know her unconventional... Uh, skincare line and sort of her unconventional methods when it comes to skincare. So, you know, what I love about this conversation is that it adds a totally different perspective from the episode we recorded with Kim from Luminant Skincare. And just like your diet, just like your exercise, everything that you do for your health, skincare is going to look so different on everyone. Their line is very basic, very simple, like very natural, basic ingredients. Um, and they really focus on building up the skin biome. So you probably have no idea what I'm talking about right now. If you don't, that's normal. I had no idea either before recording this conversation, but I played around a little bit with some of their products. And one of the ones that I love is the AO Plus Mist. And it's now officially part of my skincare routine because I want to take care of my skin from a healthy microbiome perspective. So that's what we're going to be talking about. I really, really think you guys should listen to this episode, especially when it comes to things like natural deodorant, Um, And also, you know, could we actually be too clean, which is kind of a weird question, but you know, it might be true. I just, we're, we're constantly washing ourselves and making sure we get rid of all bacteria. And I get it because, you know, there are harmful bacteria, but could we be killing off too much? That's really the question. So Jasmine is going to break that all down and she's going to share a bit more about her background and all of this. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. I have been using them for a really long time because Mama Maven is not around to make my bone broth. I'm just kidding. I know how to make my own bone broth, but truthfully, I just don't get around to it as often as I'd like. And I found Kettle and Fire, and it's an amazing quality bone broth company. It's all organic and grass-fed beef and they have delicious flavors and they now have a soup line which you guys know how I feel about soup and honestly has been a savior during yoga teacher training because I can just eat the soup for lunch or when I come home after a really long night like Friday nights I get home at like 10 o'clock at night and I have to eat dinner but I have to be on the mat at 7 a.m the next day so that's exactly what I do I just whip up one of their soups, which really just means putting it on the stovetop with a couple slices of sourdough bread, and it is divine. So I highly recommend checking out their bone broth. It's a great way to get in collagen and other immune boosting, inflammation, anti-inflammatory inflammation, you know, all that stuff. It's like every single buzzword you could possibly think of, but it's actually really, really good for you. And on top of that, it tastes really great, which is my jam. And we actually give it to Bodhi too, because we're those dog parents officially. So if you guys want 20% off so you can try it for yourself, just head over to kettleandfire.com slash thehealthymaven and you'll save 20%, which is awesome. I love the Kettle and Fire team and I just love their products. So I highly, highly recommend. And with that, why don't we jump into today's episode? Here's Jasmina. Hi, Jasmina. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you. And I have kind of a fun story for you that I I decided not to tell you before I hit record. Okay. (laughs) But you knew that I was hosting an event with Credo Beauty last night and Credo sells your products and I adore them. And I brought up the fact that I have recently started using your products and how much I love Mother Dirt. And, you know, all the women from Credo were like, oh, have you heard about their founder? She's really cool. And I was like, that's really funny. I'm interviewing her tomorrow. So this is just divine timing. I'm super excited to jump in today's episode. I already knew you were really cool because I did a lot of research on you. But (laughs) it sounds like you have kind of a, a fangirl club. Oh, well, that's so sweet to hear. Uh, God, the whole team at Credo has been so wonderful and so supportive. And they've been so, um, like, think outside the box, which for a brand like ours, which we'll get into, has been so necessary. So really kudos to them for really, um, really delivering on their mission, quite frankly. Um, So, yeah. And what great timing. That's so funny. Yeah. I definitely don't feel like a cool person. So (laughs) I'll work on that. Well, I beg to differ. And I would love for you to share with the listeners a bit more about who you are. You know, I've done some research on you, but I'm going to hand it over to you and and let you kind of give your bio. Sure. 
So um, my background is in chemical and biological engineering. Uh, I became interested in chemistry as a teenager. Um, I became actually interested in, in what was in my products. Uh, these worlds actually didn't collide, like becoming a chemical engineer with personal care until way into college. But you'll start to see how they um, how they start to come together rather quickly over a period of 10 years. So when I was a teenager, uh, like many, unfortunately, struggled with my skin and that forced me to really start asking questions about what was in the products, how they were formulated. And that actually started a bit of a, a, a love story with the industry that I thought was, and, and still is, very creative, very forward thinking, uh, quick on the iteration. I think a great industry for empowering women, even though I know that that's a controversial statement. I really do think that it exists to empower women. Uh, and so I went to college uh, really wanting to focus on some meld of biology and chemistry and ultimately chose to do chemical and biological engineering. Uh, and it wasn't until an internship that I had my junior year where I was put on a project looking at work that was being done in a lab uh, that was uh, kind of resourced by a large skincare company that I realized that uh, the work that I was doing in school was so relevant to this field that I already had a passion in. So uh, I finished my degree uh, at MIT and started essentially right away uh, a career in the personal care and skincare industry. One of the first roles that I worked at was at a company called Fresh. Uh, so certainly at that time, uh, they were one of the pioneers in really pushing for more naturally driven ingredient formulations. Um, and then after Fresh, I worked at a company called Living Proof. Um, and that technology came out of the same lab that I worked in while I was at MIT. And throughout all of these experiences that I had, both with Fresh and Living Proof and others outside of that, what I really realized my passion was about was figuring out the translational pieces between uh, the, the technical and scientific story and the story that resonates with consumers, uh, the story that actually is able to reach many people. Um, and so that really is the direction that I pointed um, my career in and ultimately what led me to this you know, crazy trip that has been uh, Mother Dirt. Yeah, so let's talk about Mother Dirt and, and what it is because it is totally different than any other skincare line out there. Like I've never come across anything like it and I'm totally new to the world of microbiome and, and <laughs> how that relates to your skin. So, you know, at what point did you kind of discover the microbiome of your skin and, and what took your interest in that area? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story and not even one that I, I had anticipated. So I um, uh, the story of the research behind what ultimately ended up becoming Mother Dirt has, has been in the works for close to 15 years. Uh, and in 2014, uh, I met this team of scientists here in Cambridge that were doing clinical research around this technology that happens to be a live bacteria. And what's really important about this bacteria is that it once used to exist on our skin, but it has been removed through the dramatic shift in modern living, basically not spending as much time outdoors, as well as the rapid adoption of uh, a lot of personal care and hygiene products. Um, so this bacteria comes from the dirt. And if you think about how we as human beings once used to interact with uh, our environment, we were walking barefoot, we were swimming in lakes and rivers and streams. We were basically naturally uh, exposing ourselves to this bacteria through our interaction with the outside world. And obviously, um, that has changed a lot. So they were, at that time, focusing really on clinical research. But when I met them, they were interested if interested to know if it was possible to have a broader conversation with the general public about this idea that, hey, we've maybe been too clean, right? Can we have a conversation about public health as it relates to personal care? And so going back to what I realized my passion was, it was taking my technical background and figuring out how we can create a message as a vehicle uh, uh, through products. Um, this is really what I, what I came in to do. So I came in, started working with their technology, uh, and basically was tasked with building a brand around this live bacteria, uh, which was an interesting process in and of itself, um, but uh, was working on everything from 
figuring out how we can scale up operations and manufacturing, um, cosmetically validating uh, what we were seeing uh, with the bacteria and what it could do, uh, building supporting products, building the brand and, and ultimately building the team around it. Um, so that's how, how we came to be. So it was kind of like I, I joined this group of people that were doing this research and I was tasked with taking that research and the technology and building this brand around it while they got to continue doing the clinical research that they are still doing to this day. Um, and obviously we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to jump into that conversation of like, is there such thing as too clean? Like, are we, are we like, you know, over cleaning our bodies? I I mean, I get the sense that we are, especially, you know, with the rise of like antibacterial, you know, the the antibacterial, I don't even know what it's called, like the soap or the the pumps. I feel like they're everywhere. And I mean, it can't be good to have that all the time. Yeah, you know, we have to remember that the way we got to where we are now is not because there were bad intentions and it's not because there's this like giant industry that is only fueled by marketing. Um, You know, it, it is actually based on um, you know, uh, cultural bias that exists that has also been trained through basically being told that bacteria is bad. I mean, for large, a large portion of scientific history, we have believed in the germ theory of disease, basically that germs cause disease. If you have bacteria, you will become sick and terrible things will happen. That is the rhetoric that is out there. But what we are starting to learn and what this whole field around the microbiome is showing, which maybe a lot of people are already starting to hear this word start to be used more and more often, um, and certainly the word probiotic has become very popular, it's because we're learning that certain types of bacteria are actually very important to to our health. Um, So to answer your question, are we too clean, Um, a blunt way to answer that is yes, Um, but the technical way is that... um, uh, by by doing what we have been doing, we've greatly reduced diversity. Um, so we don't have as many interesting and diverse bacteria in and on and around us that were potentially there helping us do things that we that we needed. Definitely. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of research around the benefits of, you know, a diversity of bacteria in our gut. And we know yeah. that there's a connection between our gut and our immune system and that if you're not getting enough healthy bacteria, then you are susceptible to getting sick more often. So I think, you know, that's a conversation in and of itself, and I'd love to jump into that. But I do want to talk about how the microbiome relates to your skin, because I think that's like, at least for me, like I'm totally new to that. Like how how could not having enough bacteria on your skin affect the quality of your skin? Like could it could it lead to acne or eczema or all the skin conditions that I feel like are becoming increasingly more common? Yeah. Um, so the short, the quick answer to, to that question is probably yes. Uh, and the reason I put probably in front of it, um, specifically to the part of like, does not having certain types of bacteria cause certain diseases is because the science is not quite there to understand all of the mechanisms around how bacteria relate to eczema or acne or so on and so forth. But I can talk about a few specific things that were figured out that I think are great examples that give us all pause around our relationship with with bacteria. So um, uh, one of the most common ones is uh, P. acne. So this is the bacteria that, that is associated with acne. And when this bacteria was isolated and looked at and sort of deemed as, okay, this is what causes acne. Now we know we just need to kill it. And then acne will go away. Well, fast forward a few years, there was something really confusing that scientists started noticing. And it was the fact that pretty much everyone has pea acne on their skin. And yet some people exhibit what we associate with the visual signs of acne and others don't. They have like perfectly normal, flawless skin. So that begs the question, okay, if both of these groups have pea acne on their skin, why are they so different? And in essence, now this microbiome of the skin is starting to show that it's actually about what else is on their skin. So it's not just about the fact that P. acne is there. It's about what other organisms are there that are helping either keep the peace or helping things become 
not not good in essence. So it's more about the balance of that ecosystem and the diversity of it to help keep that balance versus the presence or absence of um, of certain bacteria. So maybe like a long story to give, but uh, to bring it back to like the analogy of of the gut, which you had referenced before. Um, similar to the gut, we're learning that there are different types of bacteria, some of which actually serve a good positive purpose. It is more about diversity and balance versus the presence or absence of specific types of bacteria. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me that like that balance needs to be in check, that it isn't about having like only good and no bad. And that, you know, if you have only all good or if you have only all bad, then, you know, understandably yeah. your system is not going to be functioning properly. And, and same goes for your skin. So what are some ways to, you know, help bring that balance back? Because I think about, you know, in terms of whether you're using like cleaner skincare options or not, or especially if you're using conventional, I could imagine that sort of the the surface layer of your skin probably has no balance at all. Yeah. Yeah. So a few, a few points to touch on with that question. Um, you know, what to do with the skin. So if we if we look at how many products we've introduced over the course of even just one generation, that's certainly contributed to how we've gotten to now. You know, I'd also like to point out and the fact that, and there's like no like super deep statement here, but it is interesting to point out that despite the natural and organic movement being as strong and powerful and growing as it has been, there has still not been a change or a decrease in the amount of skin issues that are being documented and reported. So the question starts to go back to what have we missed? What is the missing piece here? And much of our skincare and beauty and hygiene routines are still oriented around scrubbing, cleaning, getting rid of things versus restoring, balancing, and like reconnecting with how things used to be. So they're sort of like a couple different philosophical approaches in the industry. But to make it a, a bit more tangible for like what are things that we can do, uh, you already talked about antibacterial products. That one is a pretty obvious one to kind of stay away from. And there's all sorts of great research showing that they're not actually as efficacious in doing what you would think that they could do. Plain soap and water is gonna be just fine. The second thing could be really questioning when and where you use some of our products. Uh, uh, we're trained to believe that we need to lather up head to toe, right? This is something that we start doing at a pretty early age. Do you actually need to lather up head to toe every single square inch of your body? Probably not. Just focus on the areas that you tend to get sweaty or dirty or or whatever. Um, and then the last one is just questioning the amount of products that you use regularly. Do you actually need them? Uh, what purpose do they serve in your in your routine? And seeing if you can cut back and cut down on that. Deodorant is a great example that I love to give for that one. Uh, you know, we're told that we basically need to use deodorant from the time we're teenagers. Um, and there are a lot of people that actually don't need to use deodorant, but still do because it's kind of expected of us from like a societal perspective. Um, so see if you can make a few swaps in that area or cut down on the amount and frequency with which you use it. Um, so I don't know if that was like the direction you wanted me to answer the question in, but, uh, but hopefully that's helpful at least. Yeah, definitely. And it, it like brings up a, a lot more questions for me, but first I want to touch on the point of deodorant because this has been a conversation that I feel like has happened a lot more frequently in my life recently, just hearing, because a lot of people are are discovering that, you know, conventional deodorant is full of endocrine disrupting just things that, you know, you don't necessarily want to be putting in your underarms. So a lot of people are switching to more natural forms, but are noticing that their bodies aren't reacting well to it. Because I, I think this is very, very common where people get rashes or, you know, they find that it doesn't work. And suddenly they're starting to think about like, why am I wearing this? Like, what is causing body odor? Like, yeah. am I, should I be like stopping my sweating? You know, and that, that's where, you know, I, I'm someone who doesn't use an antiperspirant, but I do find, you know, if I'm doing a lot of yoga or, you know, I'm just very active that day, I do want to like, in general, try and keep myself smelling nice, but I use a, <laughs> I use an, a natural deodorant. But on days when I'm not being, you know, super active, I don't put on deodorant and I don't notice a huge difference. But there are people, you know, who would argue that like they, you know, they get 
smelly and sweaty and they need, you know, their, they need to yeah. steal their boyfriend's like old spice, you know? Yeah. And um, I just, I kind of want to break that down a bit. Like why are there ways that we can kind of intervene in there that like we don't need to be stopping our sweating or are there ways to improve body odor that like have nothing to do with deodorant? Yeah, I, let's go to the sweat part first. Um, You know, I think in general, what we're learning through not only the clean beauty movement, but this increased curiosity around what can we do that's a little bit better for our body and a little bit more um, consistent with like natural biology. I don't think that we want to stop our bodies from doing something that it's naturally meant to do. Uh, There have been enough things that have happened um, from like the medical perspective to indicate that like, eh, when you start to mess with your biology, (laughs) it's probably not a good idea. Like mother nature probably put that there for, for a reason. Um, So instead the approach and the philosophy here is, Hey, how can we work with our biology to make this better? Um, So to talk about body odor, and I have no sensitivity in talking about this subject because of the nature of the work that I do, so I've completely desensitized uh, uh, from it. But um, with body odor, you know, first there's a lot that is still not yet understood about body odor, which is just really interesting in and of itself. But a lot of people think that sweat in and of itself is what smells. And that's not actually true. Sweat is mostly water. um, And it's when small parts of the sweat interact with bacteria that is in our underarm uh, that causes odor. So there are certain types of odor causing bacteria in the underarm area that when it eats your sweat uh, causes odor that we associate with all sorts of unpleasant things. Um, So the way the typical deodorant will work is one of of two ways or taking both approaches. So it's either going to stop you from sweating so that you don't feed this bacteria that will then cause the smell, or it's going to kill that bacteria so that it has no opportunity to create the smell. However, if we go back to this idea of balance and diversity, what if there is an approach where you are able to crowd out and push out that bacteria that causes odor so that the only bacteria that are there in that ecosystem do not cause odor and are there for other purposes of creating balance and harmony within that ecosystem. So that's like a kind of a philosophical approach, but in essence, this is what we see start to happen with our mist. So there are people who, so I I should say our core product, the mist that has this live culture of bacteria that I mentioned earlier, people use this as they start to transition off of their deodorant to a more natural deodorant or off of deodorant completely. Um, And this is something that helps kind of ease them through or helps them replace deodorant completely. And the way the bacteria works is it eats the sweat, but it also crowds out and rebalances that ecosystem so that odor, uh, odor causing bacteria are, uh, are basically pushed out. That's a really weird thing to talk about. No, (laughs) I mean, I, I think that's fascinating. I've been using the AO plus mist, you know, for my face and I've noticed a lot of benefits, but I hadn't thought to use it in my underarms. And now it totally makes sense to me. Well, you know, at the beginning, you talked about like, hey, tell me about this like ecosystem of, of the skin. I'm familiar with it in the gut. I mean, similar to the gut, it's it's doing important things that help our digestive system and potentially things beyond that. When it comes to the surface of our skin, even though it's a different ecosystem, it is still an ecosystem. And our armpit is definitely very different from our face, but there are dynamics that are happening there that when you restore balance can have definitely a very positive domino effect. Yeah. I mean, it's like taking a probiotic for your armpit, like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's so funny. I've never heard anyone describe it that way. But it makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just having a kind of an aha moment now, but yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense to me. And something else I wanted to talk about, because I was, I've been thinking about this because of the, the panel that I was hosting with Credo. Um, we were asking a couple different estheticians and people who work with Credo about their own, you know, skincare routine. And almost all of them said that they don't wash their face in the morning. That, you Isn't know, they. So crazy. Isn't that so crazy? Yeah. I mean, I say crazy in the most positive way, but yeah. 
I we've just totally been conditioned to thinking that we need yes. both a morning and an evening routine. And I'm someone who, you know, up until probably a few weeks ago thought the same thing and that maybe, you know, it, and it's hard for me to jump to this conclusion, but maybe a piece of of my hormonal acne that I've been struggling with is that I've actually been like overdoing it that that yeah. possibly it could be less is more and that's yeah. you know looking at all of these beautiful women who have you know great skin and they're like yeah you know I actually keep it really simple and it, it's just made me think a lot about my own routine right I yeah I'll never forget I was in New York for some press meetings uh years ago this was pre-mother dirt and and this interaction had such an impact on me because I I didn't understand it then but oh man do I understand it now I was having a meeting uh with one of the people on the beauty staff at Allure so one of their beauty writers um she wasn't super senior but this girl had the most flawless beautiful amazing skin and I asked her what she did. And she said, actually, I don't really do that much. I am pretty lucky if I like remember to use a wipe before I go to bed. But she's like, I don't really, you know, moisturize that much. I don't really like wash my face. I just use SPF. And, you know, if I remember to like take it off, I, 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 it like blew my mind. And certainly some people are very blessed genetically, but it really does poke a hole or probe a little bit in the direction of you know, in essence, we've been told we need to do all these things to be clean. And if we're clean, we'll be healthy. And if we're healthy, we're going to look beautiful and radiant. But instead, in reality, what's happening is we've done all these things and we haven't gotten to that point that we've expected. And so I think a lot lot of people like the people that shop that credo and like the people that use our product and like the people who are probably listening here, they are being very proactive and asking these questions and wondering, okay, well, what, what have we missed? There seems to be a bit of a missing piece here. Yeah. I mean, and that to me, it's been kind of a relief because now my morning routine is so much quicker. <laughs> so, um, but I'm also a skincare junkie where I love playing around with products. Like that's fun for me. There's, there's a lot of joy in that for me. So I'm just not someone who's ever going to go like cold turkey because I yeah. find the process of, of just, you know, trying out new products. I, it's a very like luxurious experience for totally, me yep. in, in the way that, you know, some people take baths for self-care. Like I love to do face masks. Like that's uh. something that like I find a lot of joy in, but I am, you know, thinking a little bit more about how much of that I'm using and that maybe my skin just like wants to be, you know, rubbed in the mud and, and left to be a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand the sense of joy. And also I think it's like self-respect and doing things like that for yourself that comes from it. Um, so I, I completely get and understand, um, that part, but the, the really important thing that you're saying that I think is really the catalyst that we're trying to create here is how you're thinking about the world a little bit differently, whether it, and it goes way beyond our products. Right. And so we said from the beginning when we were creating the brand that our products were really just a vehicle to have a conversation, one like the one that we're having right now. It, and the conversation is really the important thing in public health and in this industry. Um, so, you know, I listen to you say all of that and I think that's great. This is exactly what, what we had envisioned and, and hoped. And it isn't one size fits all, right? Like we have users who love their routine and playing with products for the same reasons associated with joy as you do. And then we have people on the other end of the spectrum. And it really is because not everyone is, is the same. Totally. And, and that's, I mean, that's the whole point of this show is to help remind people that there's no one size fits all when it comes to the diet that you eat, when it comes to, you know, the way you exercise, when it comes to how you care for your skin is that that's going to look so different on everyone. But what I love about your message is that everyone needs bacteria <laughs> like that. Yeah, there is yeah. no doubt about it. Like we, we are all basically a, a walking skin bag of bacteria. <laughs> like really, when it comes down to yeah. it. And, and yeah. that is something that connects us all. And, and what that balance looks like will look so different on every person. But I think, you know, for the most part, we can agree that like we've become pretty deficient in the in the bacteria and the good bacteria and the balance of bacteria that that we really need. So, you know, I'm curious as as people and as brands start to switch, you know, make the switch from conventional to cleaner products, are we going to see more brands incorporating bacteria? Is that is that something that people are starting to think about or is it still like we want to we want to eliminate all of the, 
you know, chemical toxins that are kind of messing with our, that are hormone disruptors and, and have all sorts of negative benefits, but we're going to like look past the bacteria part or, or are we starting to see that shift? Yeah, I think we have a long way to go. Um, the way the way I would answer that question and what I hope happens, and I'll speak like what we are trying to do is not to like swing the pendulum in the other direction, and and we're not trying to say everything that you're using is you know terrible. Instead, I think the way I describe what we want to do and what we hope will happen in the industry is that a new checkbox for product formulation will be added. So the industry has come such a long way from um, a cosmetic chemistry standpoint and a formulation standpoint to be able to formulate such innovative and efficacious products for a remarkable texture, for fantastic delivery, for uh, you know not including certain ingredients and hopefully being a little bit cleaner, um, you know, and there's still a bit of work to be you know done there as the industry uh, continues to to take steps in that direction, but. These are all checkboxes, uh, you know, uh, uh, texture and delivery and um, uh, formulating without. These are all important uh, checkboxes that the industry uses to formulate their product as guides. And we want to add a new checkbox, which is, you know, the checkbox about the microbiome. Is this formulated to be friendly to your skin's ecosystem? Previously, we didn't know that it existed, um, but now we do. And so how are we going to incorporate the like ever evolving understanding of what's going on in this ecosystem, how are we going to incorporate those learnings and how we formulate products? Um, so that's how I hope that things will, will evolve. Um, and I think we're starting to see steps happen in that direction. Um, but hopefully it will be an exciting and inspiring uh, thing to see develop in the future. Yeah. And I mean, just gut health in general, I feel like has been such a, a trendy topic and, and it's, worthwhile to be having it. It's not some, it's not a trend that I want to see pass. It's also not a trend that I think will pass because people are seeing so many of the benefits of implementing all of these things to take care of your gut health. And and I'm hoping that the conversation will then extend to, to skincare because it, it totally makes sense that like you would want a good balance on the inside and, and same goes for the outside. It's the same thing as what I say about, you know, skincare that you can't like have this, this perfectly clean regimen on your on your body, but then, you know, be eating just like greasy fast food every day. Like it just doesn't work like that. And so I think eventually the pendulum will swing. Hopefully we'll see more people having this conversation. I know like I'm so new to it and I'm super excited about it. So I'm optimistic, but I, I think also people are struggling so much with their skin. Like I know just yeah. in the last year, like I'm, I'm dealing with hormonal acne, which has definitely been improving, but you know, still existent and suddenly developed eczema on my eyelids. And, and I'm not alone. Like so many people are struggling with different types of dermatitis and is, could that be related? I mean, I know we kind of touched on the acne piece, but when it comes to like dermatitis and, and different skin reactions, could that have something to do with the bacteria on your skin? Yeah, there are a lot of things pointing to yes. Um, so a lot of people believe that um, uh, a certain type of bacterial profile or imbalance in the skin microbiome can be heavily associated with the different inflammatory states of the skin. And there's this analogy that I give that I think is really powerful to simulate what our skin is going through and why it ends up being in such a pro-inflammatory state. Um, you know, it, a lot of research now, and there's this one group at UPenn in particular that um, reported on how the skin microbiome is like a vehicle of communication with the immune system of the body. And an analogy to give to this is that basically your skin microbiome is kind of like the eyes and ears to your immune system. They're like the little, quite literally active antennae that are out on the surface, interacting with the environment. They're kind of the first line of defense and whatever they see going on outside, they report back into the immune system so that the immune system knows whether or not it needs to take action. Now, what you add on top of that is the use of antibacterial products, the use of very harsh surfactants, the use of products that contain preservatives, And what all of these things do is they destabilize uh, this ecosystem, this thing that I've described as the eyes and ears, potentially to the immune system. And you slowly, and remember, we start our personal care routine 
very, very young as like little kids. Uh, and, and slowly over the course of a lifetime, you start stripping things away and stripping things away. And essentially what you're doing to those eyes and ears is you're slowly deafening and blinding them. So eventually they reach a point where they can't see very well, they can't hear very well. So your immune system all of a sudden doesn't really have a good vehicle into the outside world. And your immune system goes, well, better fight because they don't know what's out there. So they better start fighting just in case, better safe than sorry. So you have essentially kind of deafened and, and blinded these eyes and ears. Your immune system goes into fight mode. And that's what we know as inflammation. So inflammation is basically your immune system overreacting to an aggressor, overreacting to, uh, I wouldn't even say overreacting. It is your immune system exhibiting what it thinks is the right response to something that could potentially hurt you. And so this is why a lot of scientists are very interested in the skin microbiome and in the microbiome in general as it relates to the immune system and all of the inflammatory diseases that we see today, both topically and internally, because it potentially could be linked to how the immune system communicates um, communicates with bacteria. So it's, it is really, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, but there's definitely a lot of work left to be done to understand the specifics of all of those interactions. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine that there's, there's a long way to go on this, but you know, yeah. even just, even just having this conversation, I, I wish I'd had it like a year ago when, when this inflammation started appearing on my face. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what piece of my skincare is setting this off. I don't know if it's something I'm eating. And I think that this is something that like a lot of people struggle with is that they then go down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's going on, but it's, there's so many different factors of it. And it honestly took me, I, I got sick a couple of months ago with shingles and, you know, couldn't yeah, use anything. Yeah. Couldn't use anything on my skin. And there were a lot of things that I just, you know, wasn't wanting to eat and, you know, got rid of a lot of things only because like my body literally only wanted vegetables. And in that kind of like purging process, I guess you could say, like, just because, I mean, my skin was literally like coming out of my face. <laughs> um, but... You know, in that process, I I was able to figure out the things that were triggering for my body and the things that I I needed to you know decrease. I'm not someone who who wants to eliminate everything because you know there's no fun in that. But just try to focus <laughs> try to focus on the things that I can add in, which is what I love about your product line is that it's less about like you know getting rid of everything, but about wh yeah. what your skin actually needs more of. Like your skin yeah. needs more bacteria. And I, I mean, I've been using the products for a, a little while now, but even last night I discovered that I'm supposed to be using the AL plus mist at the end. So I would love if you could kind of walk us through how to use the products. And I'm, right. I'm asking this mostly selfishly because it turns out I was <laughs> using them wrong. So if you could walk us through what that looks like, that would be really helpful for me, at least personally. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, so we have four products. Uh, the core product that we have that we've already mentioned is the AO Plus Mist. It has a live culture of bacteria in it. So actually, if you go to Credo, um, they, have, uh, they have one bottle that's on the shelf, but actually the rest of them, and if you end up purchasing one, they're in the back in the fridge. So the staff will actually bring out a fresh one for you. And this is because the bacteria are quite literally alive. We we literally cultured it from the soil and uh, put it in that put it in that bottle. Um, so that's our core product. And then we have three supporting products. We have a cleanser, a moisturizer, and a shampoo. No frills products, but really um, uh, like really solid basic products for that part of your personal care and hygiene routine. The difference with those products versus the mist is that they don't have that life culture in them, but they've been formulated in a very specific way to be friendly to the ecosystem of the skin. So when we talked earlier about adding that checkbox, these products are what we believe have all of those checkboxes. They are efficacious. They're formulated to have a great texture and so on and so forth. And then that last checkbox is that, you know, they are formulated to be friendly to the skin's microbiome. So how you use them, um, the cleanser, shampoo and moisturizer, they're really easy to work into your routine. Think of them as easy swaps. So you swap your existing shampoo for our shampoo, 
your existing cleanser for our cleanser and so on and so forth. The mist is a little bit of a different beast, which is, uh, uh, Davido, probably the reason that you maybe had a little bit of confusion with it, which is totally valid. I can't say that it would be the first time someone has asked me that question. Um, and it's because it comes in a spray bottle and it's very easy to think that it's a toner. That's exactly actually, what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, what we actually recommend is that you apply it at the very end of your routine. So on top of any like evening moisturizers that you might be using at night or on top of SPF or makeup. And the reason we recommend that is because we want all of the other products to absorb and then the bacteria goes on top. And this is just a way to minimize any sort of interactions between other product chemistry and, and the bacteria. So essentially you go through your whole routine and then you take this bottle out of the fridge or it might be sitting on your bathroom countertop and you just shake it and you spray it on your face or anywhere else on your body that you might be interested in using it and then you're, you're good to go. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm glad that I asked the question yesterday at Credo because she was like, no, 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 it's not a toner. You're supposed to use it at the end. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. And I just want to tap into one other area of conversation, and that's how you can like become more biome friendly. Like what are, what are some ways that we can support our microbiome, you know, other than using the mist to support it on our skin? Yeah. Um, so if you, easy place to start is with um, existing antibacterial products you might use. If you have them in your routine or you have something like, um, like a hand sanitizer, I would you know, recommend that you take those out of your routine. I think that's an easy thing to remove. And for those of us who might be germaphobes, I know that that might be uh, challenging, but there are all sorts of um, really fantastic, more naturally based less abrasive hand sanitizers that are available as options. Um, so CleanWell is a great one that's based off of thyme oil. Um, so there are great alternatives in that direction, um, but that's an easy, easy, place to, easy place to start. Um, I would say any other products that you have that have a lathering component, I would look at the uh, ingredient label and see if they have SLS or SDS. So uh, you may or may not have heard of these, but they're surfactants. They're really strong um, and they are definitely not friendly to your skin's, uh, to your skin's ecosystem. Um, so any products that have that, I would, I would see if you can find other um, uh, lathering products, another cleanser or body wash or whatever product it may be that doesn't have those ingredients. It'll probably have a milder surfactant in it. Um, so those are two easy places to start. Um, the third would be just looking at how extensively you use certain products. So if you're the lather, rinse, repeat person, I would say try not doing the repeat part and see how you feel. Um, oftentimes we realize that we actually don't need that last step in our routine. You know, if you lather up head to toe, maybe instead for a couple of showers, just focus on lathering in the areas where you truly need it and see, see how that goes and see how you see how you feel. Um, so those are, I think some pretty basic starting points. The other ones are, um, a little bit more psychological, but there's more and more science, um, showing to indicate that it's true. Any opportunity you have to go outside, please take advantage of it. Interact with mother nature, appreciate mother nature. She has given us so much. Um, and now science is really showing how, uh, you know, we rely on her actually pretty, pretty intimately. Um, so yeah, spending, spending time outdoors is really, is really important for you. And, you know, soak up that time when you were little and you remembered what it was like to play outside in the dirt and you weren't afraid of, uh, of getting dirty. Um, so a little bit of nostalgia for you to uh, put a smile on your face, which is always healthy. <laughs> always, always. And I just know like for both my mental and physical health, I need to get outside. It just, I, I that was yeah. one of the biggest reasons why we ended up moving to California was because it was, you know, such a deep desire for me to be able to do it year round. And I know, you know, that isn't always accessible, but even if it means like having plants in your home or, you know, however yeah. you can bring nature inside, if that's not something that's accessible to you year round, try and make it a priority. Like plants are such a great place to start. But yeah, if you can get outside, get outside. So I do want to hit the hot seat questions. So these are the questions that I ask to every guest who comes on the show. So if you're ready, let's jump in. Okay. I'm ready. I think <laughs> you got this. So the first question is what's the one health habit you can't live without? 
What is the one health habit? Sleep. Oh my gosh. This is a big one for me, actually, even though I know that it's become like a, a, a very cool, chic thing to talk about. But when I was at MIT, MIT, uh, MIT is not known for good sleep hygiene at all. I mean, I remember thinking that, yeah, if I get like three hours of sleep, I'll be fine. And at some point in like my mid twenties, I just noticed that my body needed something different. And so pretty regularly now I try not to set an alarm clock, um, to really make sure that my body gets the right amount of sleep and that my circadian rhythm is okay. And I kind of can't go back. Uh, so yeah, I would say sleep. Totally. I mean, that's my number one, too. And that's pretty much the most popular answer. Oh, good. Yeah. No, you're not alone on that one. So the next question is, is there a business or a business person who you look up to? A business or business person I look up to? I, I think I struggle with that one because I think, so I follow a bunch of companies that are doing really interesting things in a variety of spaces, and I admire them all for for very different, uh, very different reasons. Um, so I'll like rattle off a, a rattle off a few. Um, very close, near and dear to my heart are Levin Alina from Fresh Skincare because I work directly with them, and I, I, uh, you know, saw how brilliant and, and talented they are. So I, I admire them for how they approach the brand and how forward thinking they were, um, and that taught me a lot in in that phase. Um, I love what Ali Webb did with dry bar. I think that that's just like brilliant and so much fun. Um, I love what Glossier is doing just from a social media, uh, social media standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a, a bunch of business related questions, but totally. I, I, uh, yeah, you I, got, you got some badass women that, yeah, that totally. you listed off who have all, you know, built amazing companies, whether, you know, whether it comes to cleaner skincare or not, you know, there, there are pieces that you can admire in everyone. And yeah, that's an awesome list. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. So the next question is what advice would you have for your 20 year old self? Mm. It's still advice that I give myself to this day. It's like, do the best that you can work really hard and be good to people and everything is going to be fine. Yeah, totally. Well, that brings me to my next question, which Mm. is what advice do you hope to get from your older self? Like, what do you not have figured out that you hope your older self will tell you you got it figured out? Yeah, not to take myself so seriously and to have more fun. Totally. I thought, you know, it's really funny. That's something that I, I've recently been struggling with where I've, I've made some changes in the way that I organize my business where I found myself with a bit more free time and my, my normal instinct is to fill it with more work. And I've been yeah. actively trying to not do that, but it's really interesting to see how uncomfortable it is to just let myself have more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. I think that there's like it's not necessarily like a type A personality thing. I think it's like a mix of people who get very used to working very hard and, and kind of don't know anything else. Right. So sort of, it's, it's like a habit that you build and deprogramming that habit can become very difficult and then throw on an ambitious personality and, you know, all of that stuff. It, makes it a tough thing to tackle. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm rewiring my brain into remembering that, you know, having fun and and enjoying your time is equally as valuable and productive as, you know, pumping out a new blog post or recording another podcast episode. I just, I feel like I'm always trying to to prove the worthiness of my time. And sometimes you can just enjoy it, just enjoy your time and, and you don't have anything to prove from it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, on, on that exact note, I was having a similar thought process uh, several months ago and I noticed that I wasn't reading as much as I used to. And I, I know that I really love reading. And so I realized that in the morning, very early on, I would, I would like jump right onto email and like dive into my day. And I had that same thought where it was like, Hey, this thing that I derive so much pleasure from is so important to me. Why don't I prioritize it? Like literally first thing in the morning. And so I wake up and I drink my coffee and I read and it has nothing to do with work. But even if it's like 15 or 20 minutes, it has had such a profound impact on the tone of my day because I guess I already feel go into the day feeling so fulfilled by this like thing that gave me so much pleasure, even if it was very tiny. So um, it is interesting to start to think about things that way. Um, so yeah, I, I completely get it. Totally. I mean, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day and that I used to like reward myself with the things that I enjoyed. And I've now, I've now been finding that 
I am far more productive at work when I start my day by doing the things that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than the other way around. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it takes us type A personalities a little while to, to get used to that. <laughs> but I, I feel yeah. So if people want to find out more about you and, and Mother Dirt, where can they do that? They can go to motherdirt.com. Uh, there will be plenty of information on there about what we do. Uh, you can also follow us on any of our uh, social media channels. Um, so Instagram is is probably the one that we engage uh, on the with on the most. Uh, and that's just at Mother Dirt. Um, and then feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our team is like super excited and loves what we do and are always really excited to interact with people and any questions that they may have. Um, so also feel free to reach out and say hello and ask any questions that you might have. And then I can't uh, not mention the lovely staff at Credo. So if you actually want to go into a store and, and try our products and, and sort of see them a little bit more tan tangibly and, and tactilely, feel free to hop into a Credo if you happen to live uh, if you happen to live near one and, and talk to a member of their staff, uh, they really are super fantastic. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, I think by now everybody knows my obsession with them. But if you aren't familiar with Credo, <laughs> it's a, it's a, a natural clean beauty, kind of like the, the Sephora of clean beauty, which is so much yes. fun if you're into skincare. But yeah, definitely, definitely stop in if you have access to it. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing your knowledge. I know this was like a really eye-opening conversation for me, both in terms of like how I do my own skincare routine, but also just, you know, the the how valuable bacteria is. They really do run the world. That's what I'm starting to realize <laughs> is like, we think we're on top, but like bacteria is totally on top. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So... Thank you so much for just sharing all of your knowledge. I'm really excited to see sort of the future of Mother Dirt and just the future of, of clean skincare and, and how that's going to change as we become more educated when it comes to bacteria and, and the microbiome of our skin. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for like sharing such a great conversation and asking such great questions. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So there you have it. That is Jasmina Aganovich from Mother Dirt. Really fascinating conversation. I am officially converted to the AO Plus Mist. I have played around with some of their other products, which I really, really do enjoy. I just feel like I have other products that I love and I'm like attached to. So it's been great to kind of add in the AO Plus Mist. But if you're looking for a really great skincare line made from simple ingredients that are clean, natural, and biome friendly, then I can't recommend Mother Dirt enough. I have not tried the shampoo and conditioner though. I will add that, uh, but I do want to try them out. So I will keep you posted if I try them out. And if you guys want any kind of like help when it comes to green beauty, skincare stuff, the THM Tribe is a great place to ask for help. It's, you know, so different for everyone. And that's something that I always want to reiterate is that like, what works for like my curly hair may not work for somebody else's curly hair. And I am just here to be a resource of what works for me and provide some suggestions and as much information as possible. But you know, at the end of the day, our skin is so different. Our hair is so different. Our bodies are so different. And that's what makes us beautiful and unique and amazing. And I love that. So definitely, you know, play around, have fun. I'm all about experimentation, but know that if something doesn't work for you, it's not because something is wrong with you. It's just because your body is different. So just keep that in mind as you go through your own sort of green beauty exploring because I know I've been disheartened when I've tried something that didn't work for me and it wasn't about me. It's just everybody is so, so different and everyone just needs different things. So if you guys want to join the THM tribe, the best place to do that is just facebook.com slash group slash THM tribe and... We started the THM Tribe Book Club this week. So that was announced yesterday. If you guys want to check out what the book is, we're going to be doing everything in the tribe itself. So every other month, I'm going to be hosting a live stream, a Facebook Live, and you guys can ask questions. I'm going to be asking you guys questions. So it's an every other month thing because I know everybody reads at a different pace. So it just felt like this was a, a nicer pace for everyone. If you feel that you want more books, we can definitely chat about that. But let's just start with once every other month for now. I'm super excited about this month or this every other month book club and you know what the book is this month because I think it's an amazing amazing book and just resource for all things I don't want to give it away so I'm not going to tell you you have to join the drive to get access to that and if you guys want to support the show I would love if you did that make sure you subscribe because I am going to be taking a week or two off in May 
in prep and during the wedding because your girl is going to be stressed out. I know myself and I just need to be focused on the tasks at hand. So I'm going to be taking a little break there. So if you want to make sure you don't miss when I'm back, make sure you subscribe so that, you know, it ends up in your iTunes player, whatever podcast player you use, it appears there and lets you know when there's a new episode. So that's just really helpful for you guys. And if you want to help me out, I would love if you left a review on iTunes or whatever podcast player you listen to. If you don't feel comfortable with that, share the episode, share it on social media, share it with your friends, send it to your mom, send it to your dog walker, whoever you think could benefit from hearing the message of the show and the amazing guests that I get to chat with. So I would love if you did that. I always screenshot when you send them because it just warms my heart just like getting to hear from you guys and and that the show has resonated with you because that's all I really want. So thank you so much to everyone who has shared and has left a review. It means the world to me and I would love if you guys did the same if you haven't done so already. And coming up next week on the show, because I will be here next week, we have the amazing Ali Mafucci from Inspiralized. And she's going to be chatting about all things Spiralized and veggies, but also about motherhood and her recent struggle with Bell's palsy and, you know, just how life has changed so much for her in the last year and what that transition has looked like. It's just a really meaningful episode for me. Ali is someone who I've known for a long time and just getting to have this conversation with her just... It's a really good one, so definitely stay tuned for that one. And until then, I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and hopefully I'll chat with you on The Tribe or on Instagram. It's just The Healthy Maven or wherever you want to connect because that's what this is all about, connecting. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon.